0: have your bibles and i hope you do turn to them in the book of revelation revelation chapter one we're going to start a a new series today and go for the next six weeks and looking at just chapter one Uh, looking and studying and thinking over this chapter really if you can get revelation one under your belt then you can make sense of the rest of revelation you know a lot of times people you know think revelation hard to understand well there are things hard to understand and probably no one fully understands everything about that book. But if you can get chapter 1 under your belt, then you can be well on your way to know the main thing that God wants to reveal. So we're there, uh, just uh, if you turn there to Revelation chapter 1, and that's uh, what we're going to be looking at. And today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. Now, just by way of starting out, what did you do or not do for Y two K. You guys remember the Y two K Crisis? You know, what what did you do or not do for Y two K? Maybe share at your table. What did you do or not do for Y two K? Yeah, the doomsday prayer. We have all we live in a day of new, doomsday prepping. So, you know, maybe you did something, maybe you didn't do something, maybe you still have water for sale that you uh, <laughs> stockpiled. I don't know. But the reality is today's crisis is that you hear about or are challenged to be fearful of are very similar, whether that's global warming, which, you know, it's funny. I've lived long enough. It, I remember as a kid it was a new ice age. I mean, it was gonna, we were going to be in an ice age. And then all of a sudden now it's global warming. I don't know what happened to the ice age. I missed out on that one. But uh, And then nuclear tel- terror and, and the grid going down. I mean, you know, just your phone going down is now a national crisis. So there is... Uh, preparedness, it comes in many forms. And uh, there's actually a Prepper website, web, prepperwebsite.com, which is kind of hard to say, if you're me anyway. And this is just for the month of May. This is just articles for the month of May. What will it take to survive the coming pandemic? Homemade MREs for your stock stockpile. Three ways to use your swimming pool for emergency preparedness. Okay, okay, well, we're, I don't know. My brother's got one. If we make it to Lee Summit, we'll be okay. Uh, final prepping. 12 cheap ways to prep like there's no tomorrow. I like that one, the frugal one, right? Uh, what do you do if you're caught without your prepping supplies? Okay, I, don't know, I guess you carry them wherever you go. Teach your children well. Helping your children understand the importance of prepping. And I like this one, Mega cities, the future of combat, time to move now, <laughs> get out, get out of the cities, run for the hills. Why your home survival plan needs a camouflage garden, okay, so if you come and you look in our backyard and you can't see my garden, it's there, it just, you just can't see it. That's the garden we have now, Gwen, is the camouflage garden, you can't see it, uh, Here's another one, why you need a survival drone, I don't know, why we should all have a Geiger counter, okay, this is good, and then finally, prepping priorities, what should you be prepping for? Well, finally, I had an article that related to what God says is important, prepping priorities, what should you be prepping for? That's what we're going to talk about today, because really, there's two kinds of preppers, there's, number one, survival preppers for the next crisis. That's what this uh, website's about. That's what these shows are about. Survival preppers for the next crisis, the next big global crisis that's predicted. As we went through uh, Y2K, it was funny. Uh, remember that year? I mean, people just it, it grew in, her- in, uh, in uh, hysteria. I almost said heresy, but that was probably some of that too. But it just grew and it grew. And, you know, the first thing that we were supposed to prepare for was possibly only a brownout that there would just be 80 or 90% of this conversion. If you remember, the software, they only had year dates by two digits, and they were afraid that when these computers were going to turn over to 2000, double zero, it would revert back to 1900, and everything was going to shut down. But one fear was only a brownout, that they would get all the conversions done in time, and there would just be minor frustration and little inconvenience. But then there was the threat of a blackout. And the blackout meant that they didn't get as much done as they should have, and government level would fail, and there would be fear and panic and social upheaval. And then was the big fear. Maybe, just maybe, it would be a meltdown, and we would literally return to the dark ages. Okay, and we're talking multiple systems failure, power grid out, two to three nuclear meltdowns, and the prediction was we'd recover four to ten years. How you recover in ten years from numerous meltdowns, nuclear meltdowns, I don't know. But, as you know, it wasn't a brownout, it wasn't a blackout, it wasn't a meltdown, it was actually what? A letdown. Nothing happened, everything was fine, and the worst case scenario was some people had large stockpiles of water to get rid of and those that didn't prepare well you know you were no worse for wear right and here's the thing whether it was back then or even now you know we don't want to make fun of people that that prep in that way survival prepping okay that's a choice you have liberty in Christ to prepare for the next world crisis and and so you have that liberty but also it's unwise to make fun of people like that because why those of us that don't prepare may need some of their food and water, right, when the time comes. So you don't want to mock them too much. They may not let you in when you need their water supply. But here's the reality, that whether you do survival prepping or not, the real issue, the real priority, is spiritual prepping. And that's what we want to understand, that spiritual preppers prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ, the revelation... Of Jesus Christ, which is what the name of uh, the book of Revelation. It's not revelations. Sometimes it's called the book of revelations, but actually it's the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is why we're calling this series "Revealed," because it's revealing the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the most important thing you can do, just kind of as a basic principle for the next six weeks, the most important thing you can prep for and, and how you can prep is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God, you know, you can do your survival prepping, but it's spiritual prepping seeking first, because it's really ironic, isn't it? That in Matthew six, the very passage that says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. It's the very things that survival preppers stockpile. They stockpile what to eat. What are we going to wear? What are we going to do? And Jesus says, look, be good stewards Plan ahead, prepare, but at the end of the day, be a spiritual prepper and seek first. Now, the most important question you can ask and answer is not so much what should I stockpile, but what does the Bible have to say about spiritual prepping? Where do you go? Well, one place you can go is the book of Daniel. We just did a series on Daniel, how to live in the end times. Daniel answers the question of how to be a spiritual prepper in the end times. The second book, second or another book, uh, equally important in the New Testament, is the book of Revelation. How to live during the end times. This is what these books were designed to answer. And particularly, Revelation 2 through 3 tells local churches like ours how churches can be prepared for the second coming. So, spiritual prepping should be our top priority. Spiritual prepping should be our top priority. And I hope to help you with this. Now, the book of Revelation was written in the time in the late 9 A.D. 90s, at the very end where the last apostle was about to die off, and that would be the apostle John who wrote this book. Other apostles had been martyred. John was allowed to live to a full and old and ripe age, but unfortunately that meant he lived in the time of Emperor Domitian, who unleashed persecution like the world had not yet seen. In fact, this emperor would make our dictators today, whether in Korea, China, wherever, Latin America, kind of look like amateurs or Boy Scouts. Domitian unleashed this persecution, and the pressure and the heat came on the church like never before. Because here's the thing. In the book of Acts, you said, well, I, I think apostles were persecuted in the book of Acts. They were, but it was isolated. It was local. But with this emperor, the Roman empire as a whole, from the top down, some of the pressure that we're feeling today globally on Christians is top-down governmental persecution. And so, what did God have to say to them? Well, the book of Revelation was written to those people going through those things, and their situation mirrors mirrors the situation that is growing globally and finally coming home here in America because for the longest time we were kind of like the odd Christians in the world the rest of the world daily persecution regular persecution or at least the fear of it we haven't lived that way but now we're living that way and so here it is here's today's lesson ready or not here he comes So check your priorities. Ready or not, here he comes. So check, check your priorities. And that's what Revelation 1, verses 1 through 3 are going to help us do. So look there in your Bibles and follow along. Let's read this together. I'm reading from the New American Standard uh, translation. Here it is. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, "...to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John," John the Apostle, "...who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw." So everything that follows from this is what God, John received from Jesus via an angel ultimately from the father all that he saw and then look at verse 3 here's the blessing that you can grab hold of for the rest of this series blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near you can check just right over these verses check your priorities so here you go here's four priorities as a result of this passage Make it a priority, number one, to be ready. Be ready. Jesus is coming. People get ready. That's the idea. Look at verse 1 and verse 3. It's it's mentioned in both. In verse 1, it says, "...to show the things which must shortly take place." And then it ends in verse 3, "...for the time is near." And so here's what I want you to see. That Christ's coming is going to be sure, sudden and soon. That's the idea. Sure, sudden and soon. Whenever I think about the second coming of Jesus Christ, I think about those three words. Soon, sudden and sure. Here's let's let's break that down. His coming is sure. It's sure. Notice the phrase, the things which must take place. Now that Word must in the Greek language, you find basically whenever you find in English in the New Testament, something must be done. There's this little three-letter Greek word behind it. And it means absolutely necessary. It will absolutely, there is no question that everything that John sees in the book of Revelation, it is definitely, it is sure. It will and it must happen. Why? Because God has de- de- declared it, decreed it, and determined it. So it's not the things that may take place. It's the things that must take place. So here's the idea. Remember when you played, you'd count down, you play hide-and-go-seek, and then what would you say when you reached 10 or whatever you count? What would you say? Well, man, you guys, you guys must have been playing this yesterday or something. Ready or not, here I come. Because the idea is, look, what happened? Now, if you hadn't found your hiding place, what would you, would you be able to say, oh, wait a minute, I'm not ready? No, what was the point? (laughs) Now, the point is, ready or not, here I come. And you know what? If you didn't get in your hiding place, I found you. You're just not ready. And that's exactly what John is wanting to see. The question is not, Whether Jesus is going to come, what is left open in the Bible is when it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Unlike Y2K. Unlike potentially the, well, the Ice Age hasn't come yet. Potentially global warming. We don't know about those things. And, you know, and you, I don't know where you are on the spectrum of what those things are. I run into people frequently that will challenge me and say, Well, you don't believe in that? I say, Well, I don't know. I don't, give me evidence. Evidence that's not skewed. But here's what I do know Jesus is coming. Are you ready for that? And what are you doing in light of that? How are you living in light of that? He may not come this year, but in reality, listen, for God's people, the win is unimportant. Our number one priority is to be ready whenever he comes are you with me don't get hung up on the wind it must have it's sure the question is am i going to be ready and the reason we need to be ready is number two his coming is going to be sudden it's going to be sudden look at the what must take place must shortly take place the things which must soon or shortly take place now the word for soon there is the word that we get talk or uh, tach- tachometer what am i saying that right tachometer it's an instrument for measuring speed and in light of the other phrase in verse three that time is near i think the meaning here is it's going to be sudden it's going to be quick in other words when he comes it's going to be very quick you're not going to have time to say oh wait a minute I always wanted to read the Bible before you came. You know, oh, uh, there's some people I really wanted to witness to. Could you put this off for a few minutes? No, it's going to be sudden. One minute he's not going to be here. Next minute he's going to come. It's going to be sudden, sudden. It's going to be too late to get ready. Uh, You know, there's no way to slow him down. There's no way to ask him to set a date that would be more convenient. Right? And really... The Bible says, as we're going to read in a moment, he's going to come like a thief in the night. Now, if you knew when a thief was coming, what would you do? You would be ready. But thieves don't come when you're ready. They don't tell you in advance, hey, I'm coming to your house. Sometimes we help them by going on Facebook and telling them where we're going to be and how we're going to be gone. But the reality is we, because he's going to come in that sudden fashion, we should be ready. We often try to live our lives, don't we, by putting things off, putting off studying for a final exam till the last minute, putting off saving for retirement until we're too old, putting off saving for college or preparing for marriage until we're already married and we're already in the mess and you think, oh, hey, you know, I need some help with this. In all these areas, we should be prepared because the coming is going to be sudden and because it's sure and it's sudden, even though we don't know when it's going to happen, it's going to be soon. Soon. Some of you know the song, soon and very soon. We're going to see the king. And that is a biblical idea because in verse 3, the time is near. The idea is it's near. Now, here's what you got to understand. Because if you're thinking, and I hope you're thinking, I hope you're always when you're being taught the bible your brains are always engaged you're thinking well if it's soon when was this letter written how long ago Hmm? approximately 2,000 years ago (laughs) how many of you think something happened in 2,000 years is soon no but you got to understand the idea is not absolute time like soon like okay in two minutes it's going to happen in a day it's going to happen it's 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 related to God's perspective because the Bible says to God a thousand years is like what? One day. So if that's the case then the time from God's perspective when this was written has been how long? 2 days. So we were you know if Christ would come back today that would be pretty soon in his perspective. 2 days. It was just 2 days ago I said this. And the reality is this. If God would delay another 2,000 years, it'd just be two more days. And to God, all of time, he sees all of time from beginning to end in one big view. Besides this, when you're waiting, whether it's for Christmas or some other special event, when you're waiting for something really cool to happen, and you have to wait a long time, and then when it happens, what do you always think? Woo! Woo! That wasn't nothing because the event was so much greater. I remember us praying uh, to have a child seven years. And then when it happened, it was like seven years. What's seven years? It's here. It's here. And that's how we're going to be when Christ comes. He is here. He is here. So don't be deceived. Here's the idea. Don't be deceived by God's intentional delay. God is a promise keeper. But he's a gracious one. So turn your Bibles to 2 Peter 3. I want you to look at 2 Peter 3, verses 3 through 10. 2 Peter 3, 3 through 10. Here's the classic example that when you, uh, if you talk to someone, well, and this passage tells us there are going to be people that are going to mock the fact that he's, you know, is he coming? You know, where is he coming? I thought he's coming soon. Is he coming? And your answer to that should be what's laid out in Second Peter 3 through 10. If somebody is mocking that the second coming is, is, isn't going to happen because it's been so long, then know this, verse 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? In other words, God's no promise keeper. For ever since the fathers fell asleep... All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For they maintain this. For when they maintain this, when they make this claim, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, The present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the judgment, the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. You are loved. You are loved, even though he delays. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about... His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. He is not slow as some people count slowness. It will be soon. So people get ready. And here's the idea. The delay is for unsaved people to repent and it's for saved people to repent. He's speaking to Christians here as well. And he's saying, look, are you ready for him to come? He's delaying so that you can get ready. But he will not delay long. He will not delay long. Well, how do we know if we're ready? Let me give you two things. First of all, our readiness is revealed by our purity. People who are ready for the second coming will be pure. You're right there in Second Peter chapter 3. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come. He tells you how it will come. But look at the application from verses 11 through 12. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Which is funny. He just asked a question in which he answered the question. What kind of people should you be in holiness and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise... Sure, sudden, soon, according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, again, if you are elect of God, beloved of God, here's what you're going to do. Since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, reconcile with people, the forgiveness lessons we just went through, spotless and blameless. People who are ready for his coming, his glorious holy appearing, are themselves living holy. And then first John three says it again. John again says it. First John three, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we're going to be like him, because we will see him just as he is, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. Just as he is pure. So let me ask all of us. And I'm asking myself. Do you have any unconfessed sin in your life? Do you have a sinful habit that you're rejecting the Holy Spirit's conviction to get rid of? Is there something God's told you to do? Clearly told you to do. In his word. And his spirit is convicting you. But you're refusing to do it. If you can answer yes to any of these questions, then you're not ready. You're not ready. And I would not be ready. Purification, though, is a continual process. See, sometimes we struggle with sin, and then we kind of get, it, get a handle on it, and then we glide and slide, and we don't realize that purification is an ongoing process. So let me ask you this question. Are you and I purer this year than we were last year? Are we pure in our thoughts, in our actions, in our entertainment? Are we purer this year than we were last year? If you answer yes to that, then guess what? You're more ready this year for His coming. Does that make sense? If you say, well, no, I've kind of slipped into some things. Well, guess what? You're less ready because it's our purity that reveals our readiness there's a second area as well readiness is revealed by our prayers purity and prayer life reveals our readiness you know it's interesting uh, matthew 6 9 through 10 tells us the very first thing we should be praying for is our father who is in heaven holy be your name and then what's it say your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ready people, pray that prayer. And what's cool about the book of Revelation, that in Revelation 5.8 and Revelation 8.3, it mentions the prayers of the saints being collected in like a bowl of incense. And when Revelation starts to be, un, uh, when Revelation starts to be fulfilled and Jesus is about to be revealed, God has his angels take the bowl of incense, which is the prayers of the saints, and cast it down on the earth. And that is a symbolic picture of all these ages of prayers. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Every individual that has prayed that, God has taken notice, and he pours that down, and one day that's going to be fulfilled. And that's how ready people pray. Corey Timboom, one of my big heroes, would make the following request in her prayers nearly every day of her life Father, let that great day soon come when your son comes in the clouds of heaven. Taken right here from Revelation and from Daniel. It will not be long before the Lord Jesus returns, she said, and I want to be here when it happens. In the meantime, There is much work to be done. Now, here's the reality. Jesus didn't come in Corey's life. So, at the end of her life, she continued to pray for the coming of the Lord to be soon, but she never again mentioned being present for it. She was about to die and see him in heaven. That's a woman that was ready. Ready. Because here's the deal about the glorious appearing. We may be on this earth when it happens, or we may die and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which means you're going to see his glorious appearing. And either way, you want to be ready. Wow, that's just good stuff. Listen, when we pray, when we pray, I know this in my own life. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on a daily basis, it purifies my life on a daily basis. Kind of hard to pray that and then do what He what displeases him, right? It prioritizes my life. Your kingdom come. Well, seek first the kingdom of God. And three, it prepares me for his coming. Wow. Now, the second way to be ready is if you're if you're if you're gonna be ready, then number two, you need to stay focused. And that's what a pure life and a prayer life reveals. We're staying focused. What do we stay focused on? Look at verse one. Stay focused on the revelation of of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants. Stay focused. Now, that word revelation, I'd circle that in my Bible or highlight it on my electronic Bible. Revelation means to uncover or unveil. And so that's why this series is called Revealed. And that which is going to be uncovered or revealed is the glory of Jesus Christ. First time he came, he was in a manger, he was mistaken for just a human being for a lowly Galilean but in his second coming no one's going to mistake who he is and what he is worthy of he's going to be revealed now look in your bible it says the revelation of Jesus Christ and that can be translated one of two ways it can be translated as the revelation about Jesus In other words, Jesus is the content of the revelation or it can be translated as the revelation from Jesus. So that Jesus is the messenger or the revealer of the translation. And I would say to you that in this context of the book of Revelation, it means both. It's a revelation from Jesus and it's a revelation about Jesus. So let's stay focused on two things. Number one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation which is about him, focused on him. Now, here's the reality about the book of Revelation. Tons of personalities in the book of Revelation. Who is the (coughs) Antichrist? Who is the false prophet? Who is the beast? Who is the woman riding on the back of the beast? I mean, there's all sorts of questions, and people get all lost into that. But there's one reigning, glorious person in the book of Revelation. It's the revelation about Jesus Christ. Stay focused on Him. And you know what's interesting? It says Jesus Christ here. His name, full title, Jesus Christ, is used three times in this book. And the focus is on the incarnate Word of God. It's not just your Jesus, my Jesus, the Jesus of philosophy, the historical Jesus. It's the Jesus of Nazareth, the incarnate Word of God. That's who we're supposed to stay, stay focus on. In fact, the very last verses of the Bible, which are the last verses of Revelation, focus on Jesus Christ. Even the last chapters. You know, in Revelation 5, who's the focus in heaven? The lamb who was slain. In Revelation 19, who's the focus on earth when he comes back? Jesus, with his robes dipped in blood. Revelation 20, for the thousand-year millennium in Revelation 20, who's going to be the focus? Jesus Christ. And then in the new heavens and the new earth of Revelation 21 and 22, who's going to be focused? God who sits on the throne and the lamb who was slain that reigns right by his side. The last verses say this. He who testifies to these things say, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. End of the Bible. All of history begins and ends with a focus on Jesus. That's just cool, isn't it? Listen, Jesus should be our central focus. When we face crisis, he should be our chief concern in the midst of our crisis. And he is our constant companion, both as a church and as individuals. But isn't it amazing how quickly a crisis gets even God's people panicked? Okay, Y2K came, and I mean for 1999, God's people were a poor witness overall to Jesus Christ. Because instead of thinking about him, we were talking about what? y2k and you know what when crisis come that's not the crisis will come and they will be large and they will be global and it's needs to be us as christians who focus and point people back and forward to jesus you know the sad thing is it used to be when there was earthquakes and wars and they kind of got intensified Christians would sometimes come to me and say, is this it? Is this the beginning of the signs? They used to do that. And I would always say to them, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. He could come at any time, but it can get a whole lot worse for America before he comes. You know, the idea is, hey, it's getting bad. Are we going to get out of here? Maybe not. But you know what the sad thing is? I don't get Christians asking me that anymore. And yet there's more crisis, more problems, more earthquakes than ever before. And I think we have gotten apathetic and comfortable and materialistic, and we've lost the focus. You know, it almost makes me long for the days when people used to set dates about the second coming. At least we talked about the second coming. Well, the answer is not to set dates. The answer is to stay focused, amen, on the incarnate. Now, how do you do that? Number two, stay focused on the revelation from Christ. The way you stay focused on Christ is to stay focused on the revelation uh, from Christ, the inspired Word of God. Notice it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I, I think I've shown you that the book of, he, this revelation is about him. But, notice, which God gave him to show to his bondservants. And so, literally, this book of Revelation, and I think you can say by implication, the whole Bible is a gift and a revelation that comes to us from Christ. He is the inspired word of God. And notice, revelation can only come from God, which God gave him. God's the source of our revelation. He's the absolute standard of what will happen in the future. But also, it's what only God has revealed, and he's shown it to his bondservants. What is bondservant? We'll we'll talk a little bit about that, but it literally means slave. But most English translations are too fearful to translate it directly like that. And so they say something like bondservants but the reality is in and the reason american or english american translations don't want to use slave is because all the pack all the baggage attached with that word in our culture. And so bondservant alerts us that there's something different about this. But the idea it's you're a slave for life. And the idea of a bondservant is back in the roman culture slaves would be given high privilege and high authority in other words you could go do business in the name of your master so the greater your master the more honorable it was to be his slave so who's our master jesus christ it ain't it's not a low thing to say i am a slave of jesus christ because he instills in us great authority great honor Great privilege to do business for him till he comes. So the idea of this revelation is to keep us focused on our master, Jesus Christ, and to stay focused on what he wants us to do and not what the world is trying to get us to do, okay? Because when Christ comes, there's no lack of advice on what your priorities should be, right? And listen, the more confusing it gets the more we need to be back in the book. Amen? On a personal crisis or on a global crisis? All right. That's all we can do. There's more we can say with that. Here's the idea. There's only one source that reveals the mind and the heart of God about what will take place, and it's this book. So stay focused. Now, if you are ready and focused, you're going to do number three. You're going to bear witness. If you're ready and you're focused, you're going to bear witness to His coming. Look at verse 2. What's the result of being ready and focused on Jesus, who testified, referring to John, who testified to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw? Listen, when we lose focus we lose our witness. You know one of the saddest things that happened during Y2K? The 1999 Urbana Conference for Student Missions was canceled out of fear of Y2K. An annual conference that God has used for years, year by year, totally canceled out of fear and speculation. Why? Because when we lose focus... We lose our witness. You know what? We should have been saying, hey, chaos may be coming. Let's gather as many college students together and get them ready to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. No, planes might go down. We better not go. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Kind of ironic. Well, let me give you four things to bear witness to. First of all, bear witness to Scripture versus speculation. Scripture versus speculation. We, we are to testify of what is sure. And the only thing that is sure is this book. I please, I hope I don't have to say memes and tweets and Facebook articles. I'm telling you, now more than ever, we're getting unfiltered information like never before. You got to check sources. You got to check. But here's the bottom line. The way you check is with what? With this book, the way you check. And more and more people who profess to be Christians, Christian bloggers, men, women, giving advice on how to raise family and how to have priorities, more and more of them are not coming from the perspective of this book. They are not bond servants and saying what the master says. So scripture versus speculation. Number two, bear witness to Christ versus controversy. If you stay focused on this book, you'll stay focused on Jesus. And if you witness to what God wants you to witness about, it's about Jesus, not controversy. And we just get sucked up in this. I do, you do, we do. But we need to stay focused on that. Number three, lordship versus lawlessness. Bear witness to lordship. He says all the things that he saw. Now, when you read that phrase, all the things that he saw, the first thing we really think about is the rest of the book of Revelation. Bowls, trumpets, the dragon with the harlot on the back. And we're like, whoa, man, I can't wait. Why are we sticking with chapter 1? Let's get on with and in 2 through 3. Yeah, I know that's for the church. But let's get down to business 6 through 22, right? But you know what the first thing John saw? What's the first thing John saw in this chapter? What? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to study. In the weeks to come, we're going to look at this revelation of Jesus Christ foremost, and he sees Jesus not hanging on a cross. He doesn't see a broken and persecuted man crucified by the Romans, but he's in all of his glory, and his feet are burning, and his eyes are burning. He's coming in judgment. Whoa! Lordship versus lawlessness. This is the Jesus. You know what's interesting about Christianity today? People are going farther. They take us back to the Gospels. Well, we ought to be taking people forward to the Jesus that is coming, who is a saving God, but he's also a God who's bringing fiery judgment. Wow. Wow, that's just powerful stuff. And then, fourthly, bear witness to bond service versus lip service. Bond service versus lip service. In other words, the, the, the way to ruin your witness at work is to talk the talk and not walk the walk. The way to ruin your witness is to just share about Jesus and not show the lordship of Jesus on a daily basis. In fact, if you're not going to walk the walk, it's better not to bear witness at all. Well, here's the fourth way. Number four, be obedient. Fourth priority. So, be ready, stay focused, bear witness, and then number four, be obedient. Look at verse three. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and heed the things which are written in it. Why? Because the time is near. There's blessings for, number one, the one who preaches and teaches this book, who reads it back then, the people were illiterate, and they didn't have their own Bibles, they didn't have their own smartphones, they didn't have their laptops, they didn't have their iPads, and so you had to read the Word of God. There's a blessing in bringing this before you, but number two, all those who hear and obey. It's not enough to be taking notes today. We need to obey the words of this prophecy. So when you think about, well, what's the blessing... What is the blessing that he's talking about? In the book of Revelation, you can almost bank on it. Anything in the book of Revelation that's important, there's seven of them. And so I listed for you those seven blessings. This is what you can expect from God. And it all has to do with the kingdom. It all has to do with the kingdom. So let me ask you this. Are you ready? Ready or not, he's coming. And if you'll take what we looked at just today. Your life will be different. But, listen, for the next five weeks, we're going to look at how to be ready. So, be ready with a pure life. Stay focused on the Son of God by staying focused on the Word of God. Bear witness to the Bible. You know, last yesterday, sitting right there where Becky was, one of Amber's uh, fellow students came to her graduation party. And I don't know Pedro very well. But he's a quiet guy, and Amber's been friends with him uh, all through high school. And we're sitting there, and out of the blue, he he was sitting by himself, and I just came up and talked to him a little bit. Out of the blue, Pedro goes, so what's it like to be a minister? And I'm like, okay, well, let me stall a little bit because that's just like, see, I mean, those opportunities just come. They just come. What a privilege to point out God's people here. And say, well, there's a lot of sacrifices involved, Pedro, but God promises to multiply by the hundreds whatever we have to give up. These people around here, they're all family. Our family is large. We are blessed. Now, I hope to follow up with Pedro. My point, though, is we've got to point people to Jesus. Amen? More people are wanting a witness than what you realize. But we've got to be ready. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Father, I hope that we take time this week in our busy schedules to review our priorities and to get ready because you want to prepare us through this series. And so I pray, Lord, ask ourselves, where are we in relation to you? Are we even born again? And if we're born again, do we live like bond servants? And if we live like bond servants, how are we bearing witness to you as our master in word and in deed lord i pray that we will be blessed by you as we heed hear and heed and obey what you are teaching us in the book of revelation in jesus name we pray amen amen